Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 31 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Uh, thanks to all the folks that follow us on Twitter. We were almost up to 500 until my consistent rant, my drunken rant on Twitter, and now we're down a few. That's cool. I still love you guys if you're there. Um, thanks to like 18 people on Facebook that found us. I appreciate all of you. Someday I'll put some content on there and you'll be like, oh, that's why I follow this idiot. Uh, thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. I love you, brother. And thanks to Eric at thirdeyegraphics.net. And I'm excited whenever we decide that season two comes, we will have a new sponsor. So that is awesome. And welcome back, Peter. How are you today? Thanks, though. Yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing good. Just sitting, looking at the snow outside here in, in the UK. It's unusual for us to have snow that's lasted this long, but it's it's nice. And happy birthday, Peter. I don't care if you wanted us to mention it or not. There we happy go. Birthday. Not editing happy that birthday, up. Peter. Oh, you, I guess I'm only 25 once. We're stuck and, on that number today. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Stop. And that voice that you hear, I'm super excited to have two great guys on our podcast. They were, you know, they helped me out and they let me on their podcast, which I don't understand. But welcome to Eric and Eric of Acme Army. How are you two gentlemen this morning? Uh, we're doing great. Thanks, Dale. Recovering. <laughs> Just recovering. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Why did I even ask how we're all doing? It's a stupid question. We all know. It's been a week of licking the wounds so far. You know, it's just been uh, not the way to start it off, you know. Or end it or in the middle or any of those things. <laughs> it's a horrible week. So, yeah. Eric or Eric, yeah. boy, it's easy to remember your names. Tell us easy. a little bit about Acme Army before we start our podcast today. Yeah, rock and roll. We started the uh, podcast in September. We, Eric and I, have uh, been pals for quite some time and been talking on the phone for years and uh, put a podcast together this year. And it has been more fun than, uh, you know, as you know very well, Dale, how much fun it is to engage with uh, Packer Nation out there and see the good bad, uh, the good side and the bad side of uh, Packers Twitter and, uh, and really engaging with fans. But it's been a blast. We've got uh, 59 episodes out, 60 will go out this week. Uh, we've had happy hours, but you know, most importantly, we've met some great people online, much like yourself and Peter. Uh, JJ Leahy has been awesome. You know, a couple of people on Twitter, uh, Jamie No Last Name, and, and Aaron Rodgers Doppelganger. We've had great shows with them, but it's been fun. We're trying to give something else, you know, Dale. Uh, Peter, you know very well how great of a guest he is, but he's a wealth of knowledge, and we use Peter as a uh, a guest for our former Packer profiles, which we dig deep into some of the Packer legends, and there's no better person in the world to have that conversation with than Peter Jones from the UK. So, <laughs> but thank you. But I have to echo everything that Eric said, and thanks Dale for coming on, and thanks for having us. It's fun being part of the community. Yeah, well, sure. I think the cool thing is to, as well, right? Like Dale, Eric, Peter, like we have like Zoom friendships, and this thing's just gonna build. We're both we're in our first years of doing this podcast. I mean, we're, we're we got a great future, joint podcast, and a lot of fun. And one day, guys, we're going to meet in Lambeau Field, and we are going to drink beer and get crazy and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Cleveland, yes, look at that. Twenty twenty one, Lambeau Field. Get those vaccines, huh? <laughs> you know, Peter, I've said this before. Maybe you can get over here. I think it's been crazy that you can't come here, but we can go there. You know, we're like eighth in the world in COVID cases and you can't come to the United States, but someday soon for the Cleveland game, yes. tell Rhonda it's time to make it happen. Put it's it not on Houston, Google Calendar. Whatever. Well, just think about that though. If you're trying to plan a trip with your lady friend and you're going to go to the United States and Green Bay's the destination. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough sell. That's a really tough sell. 
we haven't had a show since the passing of Ted Thompson. Uh, real quickly, all the things that I've read about Ted Thompson is he was an amazing dude. And I said it on Twitter, I beat up on Ted Thompson. As Packer fans, we really just want to win every game, all the time, all the way from the preseason, all the way through a Super Bowl. And because of that, I've been overly critical of Ted Thompson. But if a guy gets on the air, Jason Wilde gets on the air and openly cries on the air about a, a man that wasn't related to him, I think that says a lot about Ted Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Well, you know, he was a quiet man. And, you know, you, he was this guy. It's kind of hard, hard to imagine that he was a 10-year linebacker in the NFL. He brought instant credibility, you know, a Ron Wolf disciple. Um, and some of the most significant reasons are why we were in this game uh, and why we have who we have now uh, come from him. Uh, he was a great, quiet gentleman, and uh, he'll be sadly missed. Yeah, I mean, I think that Eric summed it up nicely there. I, um, I think it's difficult with a lot of these guys. You see their, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's a guy from the front office, you see them on TV and you get one view of the guy, whether they're how they play or whatever it is. But I think, you know, from everything that everybody said, and I, I met Ted Thompson one time in 99, just for a few minutes, and I found him to be exactly as Eric just described, just very quiet, but very humorous, very funny guy. It's a small thing, but it means a lot to me is that I've written to Ted Thompson a number of times over, over the years, and he's responded to every single letter that I sent. You know, and it might just be one page. Sometimes it's a couple of pages. But that kind of thing means a huge amount. And it's stuff like that that people don't see. You know, the stuff like that that goes on behind the scenes. And for me, you know, as a historian or somebody that's really interested in history, you know, the Packers have had kind of, I think, four great personnel guys, starting with Lambeau, Jack Venisi, who was the personnel guy who picked most of the guys for the Lombardi era, Ron Wolf and then and then Ted Thompson and it's unfortunate you know that he got a lot of stick a lot of criticism particularly in the later years but I think when you take his body of work as a whole it's right up there with most general managers that we've we've seen from from most teams and he's a packer and he's a guy that loved packer history and it's it's a really sad sad time and it would have been nice to have won last Sunday and got to the Super Bowl for Ted. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's a great take, Peter. I think my – I couldn't say anything else that you guys haven't already said about him. He was, I think with the thing that my angle is on Ted Thompson, especially after a little more reflection, is just the greater the appreciation we need to show him because the amount of disrespect that we jump to on Ted Thompson saying we had Aaron Rodgers, we've won one Super Bowl, we, we don't – he has not given, you know, that personnel, you know – Go into the first round draft wide receiver. I mean, it's all the ridiculous storylines that take away from the consistency of what we are. The Green Bay Packers. I have a wife who's from Cleveland, Ohio. Imagine, all right, so an Irish, Catholic, and Italian family got together years ago and created this huge family in Cleveland. We have parties at 60 people deep. And these fans are conditioned to not win. They are conditioned to watch a game. They're conditioned when they have a lead to go, oh boy, are we going to win this game? People like Ted Thompson furnished us the ability to be competitive year after year, and whether it was a coaching or a player or you know plays that affected us in the championship games, it, doesn't, it can't take away from what Ted did personnel-wise, and representing us, man. The community of Green Bay is a small-town community. How do you get a better representation than a quiet man carrying a big stick like Ted did? That's that's my impression. That's well said. Jeez, we could end there. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the best podcast ever already. We're only like 10 minutes in. <laughs> Let's talk only a little down, bit. It's about only downhill from here, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, don't listen to episode zero. I should never have put that on the air because it's only going to get, you know, but it's actually gotten worse since then. So. <laughs> Practice does not make perfect. So let's talk a little bit about the game. Eric, let's start with you. Just initial thoughts on the Packers versus Bucks. 
Initial thoughts were that uh, we left so much out on the field. And the heartbreaking part of it is that we saw some of our favorite players play their last snaps in Lambeau, and you didn't feel like you got their best game. It is a painful pill to swallow because I'm not saying the window's closed, but that is one chapter of the book that you know you cannot reopen and real tough to swallow. I would say um, I'll stick and be consistent with my complaints all year about uh, Mike Pettin's prevent defense that we play so much. The one time, the one time this year where we had to play it, eight seconds left in the half, uh, he decides to dial up man coverage. Mm. And he that, finally that, listened to you, you see? <laughs> <laughs> I got no problem with that defense on third and long. But goodness gracious, you know, it's fourth down. Uh, and, and the wrap and before that, we talked a little bit about number 25. Um, mm. Not making that pick was huge. Um, and my last sort of initial rant, which is um, semi-bitchy, is that, you know, they, they didn't call a lot of penalties. Um, they let the defenses play. However, that touchdown before the half, uh, Bunting, whatever his name is, grabbed yeah. Lazard's jersey, pulled his shoulder pad out. You could see him pull his body in front to make the interception. And they let that go. And then they call a ticky-tack jersey pull, uh, which was, you know, legitimate. Both of them would have been legitimate calls to make. But on Kevin King to basically end the game, I would have liked to have seen 90 seconds of timeout and the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand with a touchdown to win. We didn't get that. So those are those are my rants. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, as everybody said, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. Um, you know, the, those opportunities don't come around too often. And it's one of those games that was, it was always going to be a close game on paper. You know, you can find reasons to pick one, either of the teams to win. But it's a missed opportunity. And as Eric said, I, it's sad. I think it's sad at the end of any season when you know that that group of 53 players or 60 players, however many it is, that group is never going to be together again. Some guys will go, some new guys will come in. But I think it's extra sad this time because we know that some guys that have contributed a lot this year and in the previous two or three years that have got us to two consecutive championship games are very unlikely to be there next season. So, so there, there is, well, end of an era is too much to say, but there is a feeling of it's an end of something. Now, it might be a new beginning. Let's hope that that's, that that's what it is. But, but yeah, I mean, I think... We'll probably look back on this game even years from now and just think it was a game of miss of missed opportunities. One or two plays here really here and there really did make the difference. The other thing that I thought about was it's not even actually the game itself. It was Aaron Rodgers' press conference afterwards. As Packer fans, we look at every minute detail including press conferences and nitpick all the things that happen in those conferences. And of course, Aaron Rodgers is despondent. Christ, we all are, and we didn't play in the game. We've never been in the locker room. This is important to those guys. And it's not about the money, and it's not about the glory. It's about winning games and being great in the moment. If you've been an athlete at all in your career, even if it's Little League, you love those moments. When they don't happen, that's devastating. And Rodgers and everybody in that locker room understood that this was an opportunity, like Peter just said, and they didn't make it happen. So give the man a couple of days. I know he's going to be on Pat McAfee today, and, and, and we'll see what happens there. But this is immediately after a game. So give the man a break. Don't read too far into it. He was devastated as we all were. I think, in, I think in a lot of cases, what, what do you expect somebody to say anyway? When you've just come off, as you say, you know, that devastating a loss. That's one thing to, to lose a game when you expect to lose or you get blown away, that happens. But in the game that you know he certainly thought that they were going to win, what do you expect somebody to say when, when the microphone's thrust in front of them? You know? They ask him to comment on specific plays. Well, what is, what, what is he going to say? Right. You know, whatever, whatever he says there, somebody's going to try and pick holes in it. Somebody's going to try and read something into it that probably wasn't there. Makes good headlines. I'd pull a Marshawn Lynch. I'd be like, I'm just here not to get fined. <laughs> and I'd sit back. 
Yeah. No way. The thing about it right now is that comment, look at the fire that's generated. Look at the articles that have come out. Every sports network has what's his trade value? What's the dead cap? Is he going to be there next year? Aaron Rodgers might retire. Pump the brakes, people. Well, what is happening right now? So stupid. It's ridiculous. And people, if you're going to you know, add fuel to that fire, like just take a break. Get off Twitter. Get off socials for a couple of days. Go walk your dogs. Take a breath. Eat a hot dog. You know? Let's chill out. Speaking of eating a hot dog, there were some good things that happened in this game. <laughs> Eric, let's get on to some positivity for a second. Well, I guess I got what I wanted uh, in, in the sense that uh, it was it was my impression that, that stopping the run uh, and putting pressure on Tom Brady – uh, he threw what should have been at least four picks. We didn't capitalize on those turnovers. Our, our run defense was great. Got to see a little bit more of Kenny Clark playing three technique, which I thought was devastating. If we can get him some some help, a big fella up front to take him off the nose more often, I, th- I thought that was fantastic. You know, if you'd have looked at the stats and said that Rodgers was going to throw for 346 and three and Brady was going to throw for 270 with three interceptions, you kind of would have thought, hey, that's a recipe for winning. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way. I, I'm encouraged for the future. I, I think we have a nucleus of great, uh, great young players. And again, you know, now we go into this mysterious season where we're not going to know for a while who's going to be back and who's not. I, I think we're going to, we, we may have some inclinations on the coaching staff before too terribly long, but with the players, it always takes uh, quite a bit longer. And so we're into that season now. Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one. When I, when I sat down to think about what was good in this game, there was a lot that was better than average. There was an outstanding performance, as Eric has said, by Kenny Clark, who I think probably was the outstanding performer for the Packers on Sunday. MVS, again, came through and probably would have scored another had, had Rodgers hit him on that pass. It's a strange one for me, and I think it's probably just driven by the disappointment of the, of the end result, trying to think of what was good. You know, Rodgers was good but wasn't great. As, as Eric said, you look at his numbers and they're fantastic and he made a lot of great plays. But then, you know, you delve into it and you can find quite a number of plays that he'd love to have back, quite a few. I think there's lots of good from that game. Very little outstanding other than probably Kenny Clark, but a lot to look forward to. You know, for me, it was, and I talked about it on your podcast, guys. I said the Packers are going to get punched in the face in this game And will they respond? And they did this time. And I think that's a mindset that I wasn't sure was going to happen. When they went down big, when it was 21-10, when they gave up that big pass at the end of the half, that's where you see things go haywire and things get shut down. But that didn't happen. And even after the Aaron Jones fumble, like that could have been it too. That could have been the end of the football game right there. But they kept playing and they kept coming back and – while, like you guys have said, there's going to be a different roster next year, that's something to build on for next season. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, I think the the good things I take away from this game is that the two, in my opinion, co-defensive most valuable players for the Packers played their best game on Sunday, and that's Adrian Amos and Jair Alexander. I thought they put us and gave us opportunities like we had been talking about. I had been talking about it on the podcast all year. When when are we going to get the interceptions? When are we going to get multiple opportunities? Unfortunately, we didn't capitalize on those. But the good that I will take away is that you guys have said everything in the game. Not a lot of great things to say about the game. We're 26 and 6 over the last two seasons with a head coach. We lost two NFC championship games in a row. Who else has done that? There aren't any other teams out there, all the Bears haters, Viking haters, everybody else that wants to to jump on you. That's where we are right now. So from an optimistic point, I'm taking away that we've had two successful seasons and we're starting to get this thing really going. And everybody's going to be in the same position next year, right, with the cap. So that core that we have is still a really, really good core. So that's my good. Right on. I know we've touched on the bat a little bit, Peter, but anything you want to add to the negative side of things? Well, I think that, you know, the last play of the first half, there's so many things wrong with that play, but we can pick on Kevin King, and I'm sure at some point we probably will, but, well, Tampa Bay did all day. But 
Um, <laughs> um, there's, there's no way that you leave you leave a guy in single coverage with eight seconds left in the half. You've got the deep safety there, Will Redmond, who's playing this playing centre field. Yeah, he sh- he should be shading over to that side. He's covering the invisible man standing where he did. He has to get over and make that play. As the deep safety, he has to be deeper than the deepest and he has to get over and make that play. And I know we can put a lot of it on on King, but if the guy that he's covering is physically faster than he is, which he was, then the guy's limited by his own physical abilities. And and there's there's no excuse for me on the defensive coordinator on that play. And I've tried to defend... Mike Petten as much as I can, but that play pushed me over the edge, and and you can't have that. You just cannot. You just cannot have it. There's no excuse for it, and he's gone. He's he must be gone after that, and that's sad. But that's kind of the kind. You just cannot. You just cannot have that in that situation. There's a few other things that the 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 Packers the two minute drill right near the end of the first half that happened just before that was what on earth they were doing not calling the timeout when they got the first down. They then got into a complete rush because the clock was running, and that's when Rodgers threw that interception, which was a complete mess, which was then followed by Redmond dropping the what should have been a, a simple interception, followed by that play. So, you know, the bad stuff kind of cascaded on top of itself. The other thing, I guess, it was bad, but it's, it's you don't really want to point fingers. The, the offensive line didn't hold up. Against the, against the pass rush. Similar thing, I guess, as to what happened when they played Tampa earlier in the season. 15 times out of 18 this season, the offensive line has played very well. Obviously, they missed Bakhtiari. There's no doubt about that. It was bad, but I'm not going to point the finger at anybody in particular on that. You know, I think that they are what they are. You know, um, we can say that Billy Turner's this or Rick Wagner's that, but you can't expect a player to play above what he is. That was a huge... A huge disappointment, and I think we'll get to the play calling generally in a, in a little while because there's whole bunches of stuff there that we can cover. Yeah, my problem on that play is I'm dropping quarters. Here we go. <laughs> what the fuck is Redmond doing on that play? <laughs> are you treading fucking water? Because why are you standing in the middle of the field just running in circles? And if you're going to shade a side, it's not going to be the fucking Alexander side. <laughs> are you new? <laughs> You're the safety. You know what guy is on what side of the alignment. You know Alexander's on one side and you know King's on the other side. What are you doing there? That makes no sense. I wish that you'd tell us how you really feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, Peter. Next season, I'll really let it fly. Oh, um, but, sorry, that wasn't it. But <laughs> my other thing, and, and it, it, kept, it keeps coming back to this, so we – you look at social media and you see people complaining about this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the play calling. And I'm not talking about defense. My bad is, does Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wants? And sometimes in big games, that comes back to bite him. Mm-hmm. They ran the ball 16 times in this game. 16 is not enough. But you know that, at, that Aaron Rodgers at – the ability and the he's just a smart dude mm-hmm. right so the floor gives him leeway and he basically calls his own plays out there mm-hmm. he has opportunities does he check out of run plays too much i felt like we saw it with mccarthy and mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like we saw it here mm-hmm. in this game as well and that's why they only ran it 16 times yeah that's my bad i mean my bad was the two interceptions we go three and out all passes when I understand that when Aaron Jones is not in the game, we're a completely different team. We've talked about it. Everybody thinks that Aaron Jones can leave. We're not going to miss a beat because we got AJ Dillon and, and, and we're going to mysteriously have Jamal Williams because he's so loyal. He's not going to go and test the free agent market. Right. He can potentially get eight, $10 million. Who knows? You know, he's so loyal, but AJ Dillon in that game, he was like 5.7 yards and a rush. Am I close? He, he was, he was still giving us yards, but to completely abandon it and go three and out on two interceptions killed us. My second bat, Devontae Adams. Two drops on the season. One of them was in this game. There is not a person 
in the world that feels worse about this game than that guy. For that ball to be in his hands and then it just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in Devontae Adams' world. We haven't seen that all year. And uh, and that was crucial for us, too, because he's the guy that has been able to mask all the other mistakes that we had in this game, right? He's been the player that's been able to come up big and, hey, put points on the board or come up clutch when we've dug ourselves in a little hole. And and that was a tough one for him. So My bads are a fairly long list, but I'll try to be as concise as possible. One, I don't know when it – I'm going right from the beginning – when it switched over, it used to be that when you won the coin toss, you always took the ball. And then teams with dominating defenses deferred and did it that way. When you have the highest scoring team in the league on first possessions, when you have Aaron Rodgers, why not give him the extra possession? You will then avoid the kind of situations where you give up a touchdown and you're three and out away from Tom Brady, maybe putting you down two touchdowns. I don't understand why we didn't take the ball, why we don't take the ball every time we win the cost. That's one. On the offensive line, God, I just felt like if David Bakhtiari is there, this is an entirely different game. You know, the problems that Turner had, Bakhtiari doesn't. The problems that Wagner had, Turner doesn't when he's on the right side. I just felt all in all, the uh, the game would have been uh, considerably different. And of course, everyone loses players. That's part of football. So no insight there. On the Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, you know, these are the guys that got us to this game. Eric already covered Devontae. Aaron Jones, 270 carries without a fumble, or touches without a fumble. And he fumbled twice. He actually had four more yards in six more carries or six more touches than Dylan did. Dylan played pretty well when with the opportunities he was given. When we didn't get Aaron Jones in the second half, that was big, big kick. When you go down at the end of the game, and I watched the tape several times, on third and goal, there isn't a player in the right side of the end zone. That's a walk-in and score for Aaron Rodgers if someone even gets him down. Well, then you're looking at fourth and what? One or two if someone did manage to get over there? Entirely different game. You know, I know Rodgers said after the game that he thought he was getting fourth down or he would have run third down differently. That's a problem in communication, and that's that's a pretty big problem. I, I guess given the givens, don't understand the uh, the field goal call unless you're trying an onside kick, but to give the ball to Tom Brady, two minutes left in the game, needing a first down to win seemed, seemed to me to be a little bit foolish. And then on Dale's point about the uh, play calling makeup, 64 pass 16 run uh, reminded me of Mike McCarthy. I, I, I got to echo what you said there. That's exactly what it seemed like to me. So that's, that's a little combination of bad and ugly, but I got some more ugly. <laughs> <laughs> It's real easy to find ugly, right? When we lose yeah. an NFC championship game. So I'll go first on the ugly. And I know that it will encompass a lot of what you're going to say. So I apologize in advance for taking out stuff. Championship teams make plays. They don't make mistakes. And it was, like you said, there's 18, 20, 30 different things that happen in this game that if this doesn't happen, then the next thing doesn't happen, and the Packers win this game. My big one is the Will Redmond you know, drop of an interception. It looked like, to me, he started to, I don't know, his reaction to dropping it was almost instantaneous. He could have MVS arm caught that ball and caught it with his body and still made the interception. I, I honestly don't know how a professional player misses that. It was a duck, and it was up there forever. The only thing I can think of was he saw Amos coming at him from the other direction, and he panicked, and he short-stepped or something like that. Will Redman in this game was fucking awful, and I don't understand why he's <laughs> back there deep. What? Why is he back there deep when there's eight seconds left? You have Darnell Savage who runs like the wind. Will Redmond, should, in my opinion, and again, I am not a defensive coordinator. I've never played professional football. I will never play professional football because I'm going to be 50 next year. I'm too old. But I don't get it. The whole Will Redmond thing bothers me. That's the ugly for me. That's a good ugly too, man. That's a, that's a real ugly because it was just... <laughs> Alligator arm in one of these rainbow watermelon balls to you. I just, uh, 
as fans, everyone, 100% of the fans were like, no, I could have caught that ball for sure. Yes, and they were right. Yeah, yeah. There was so much ugly in this game, but I just want to say how ugly Twitter got after uh, the game. I I just want us to – I want to be a somehow – some voice of reason here. To be this ugly at players, at Aaron Jones, who is one of the best – the biggest difference makers the Packers have had in their backfield in a decade. He's unbelievable. And to give him on his last game in Lambeau after getting crushed and has a chest injury, you could see him on the sideline, couldn't breathe wincing all the time. Man, to give the guy we rode or die with the kind of flack you give him right now, it's just, it's ugly. You know, the Rodgers click through where I touched on that, it's just ugly. But when you get into people who have never played a sport, people who have never been on a team, people have never, ever been punched in the mouth, people never tackle, people have never thrown a ball, give these takes and it's ugly and they're putting it at the player on Twitter. It's like, come on guys, we're talking about professional athletes and there's a different, there's levels to this human experience and we're not on that level. Do you understand? There's levels on type and you might be able to type faster than most of these athletes. You can't run fast, you can't tackle harder. (laughs) So that's, that's what's getting ugly, so. That was spit out my water right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and I'm just going to sort of rehash a little bit to start with my ugly, and and that's going back to this whole coin toss idea. If you don't do anything and you punt the ball away, it's 0-0, right? You get this whole thing about wanting to get the last possession in the first half and then get the first, you know, get the kickoff in the second half. Well, the way it worked out for us with um, between Mike Pettin uh, and unfortunately the Aaron Jones fumble was 14 points in 70 seconds of playtime to end the first half and begin the second. And we came back from that. You know, we were in position to drive and take the lead, you know, as Eric mentioned earlier with the two uh, three and outs after pick sixes. The defense, which has been um, a problem for me most of the year, uh, they did their job. You know, they they uh, they did well enough. They got us back in the second half. Some sketchy stuff in the first half, but in the second half, they kept us in the game and gave us the opportunities. We had the weapons to capitalize, and we didn't, and that's ugly. Yeah, I think you guys have summed it up. The, the only other one for me, I don't know whether you call it ugly, but the um, choice to go for the two-point conversion in the third quarter, and I know it should have been converted. EQ drops, dropped it. He must have had Will Redmond's hands on or something. Like that. <laughs> they just sharing gloves. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a great fan of that, chasing those two points in the third quarter. Yes, if it's in the fourth quarter, but third quarter, you, you still don't know how this game's going to pan out. Mm-hmm. And as it did pan out, when they got to that fourth and eight play, which we'll get to eventually, they would have been seven points behind had they kicked the extra point there. You know, so they would only have, need, only have needed a touchdown and, a, and, a, and an extra point to have tied that game up at that point, which is which is a whole different scenario to having a touchdown and a two point conversion. Although knowing us, the way things are, the way things have gone, Mason Crosby would have missed the extra point anyway, and, and <laughs> you know. I've already touched on that two-minute drill just before the half. I just thought that was that was horrible and stuff kind of cascaded from there. Not a lot more to add on that. You know, I have down that we should talk about the officiating, but really we're all going to say the same thing, right? And we've already touched on it a little bit, so yeah. let's just skip that. Other than... We can't blame the officials. Yes. We Get out of my it. head, Eric. That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. We got to stop doing that. That's it. Yeah. We had too many plays out there. Look at the list that Eric referenced before. There was like, what is that? She said TV or something. Else. 18 plays. This is not on the refs. It was a bad call. It was stupid. But you know what? Kevin King had the jersey. 100%. Uh, do. And he blatantly had it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing for me always with those things. And, and yeah, it hadn't been called all game and whatever else. But if you do it, yeah. you're giving, giving yeah. the official the opportunity to throw the flag. Yeah. And... There was too much other stuff that happened in, in that game to put it down to one officiating call. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. 100%. 100%. Eric, anything yep. for that? No, I agree. I agree. This this wasn't as much as you'd like to have, like to have that uh, target of vitriol to, to ease your own burden. It just isn't the case. It, this, wasn't a, this wasn't a one call. The, the game was reasonably consistently called if you want to look at it they let an awful lot go let it and, and like you said you know what it's third and eight <laughs> there's a super bowl berth on the line on third yeah. and, or third and eight and third and six mm-hmm. you can't grab a guy's jersey i'm yeah. sorry it yeah. shows up on tape and that's way more dramatic than anything else do that jersey stretch out it's flag time yeah. that's just kevin king not what makes it even worse is when you think back to the last play of the first half Mm-hmm. Grab the guy's jersey there. 
Exactly. Give him the flag. Well, you give him the field goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Tackle him. Yeah. And that's that's rule number one. If you've got a guy that's burned you, you know, you, you tackle him. You don't give up the touchdown. You tackle him. He's absolutely right. Peter's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. This is no Tim Donahue situation. This is not where the NFL <laughs> wanted to make Brady and Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Like the officiating did not have that impact in this game. One hundred percent. Exactly. And I, I just want to apologize for my Twitter rant to all of you folks who had to listen or read the best. I was a mess. <laughs> Which one? All two hours of it, Peter. I'm not talking about one. I couldn't stop. I what I said exactly happened. I sat in the dark, drank Miller Light, and then vodka because I ran out of Miller Light. <laughs> Been there. Been and there. ate. I I got a lot of stuff coming out of my head right now. And I ate that doggone guacamole from Sendix. And Sendix, what the fuck? Nine dollars for guacamole? <laughs> and it was awful. Even after I'd been drinking that much, it still didn't taste good. It was $9. That's why you got carpet in your damn place. Because you overcharge people. I'm sorry. I'm not cutting that out. Where were we? Clip it, baby. Clip it. But, yeah. are no. on this side. That's going on YouTube right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, where were we? Oh, we talked about the play going. Let's just move on to Mike Patton. Peter, let's start with you. Mike Patton thoughts? He's gone. He was probably gone anyway before Sunday's game. I think that definitely come on in the last few weeks. We can't say that it hasn't. They've been better in the second half of the season than they were in the first. But you kind of, even then, you kind of got the feeling that it's probably reached its peak under under Mike Patton. Whether that comes down completely to coaching, whether that comes down to a bit of coaching, a bit of personnel, probably a mixture of everything. And, you know, generally speaking as well, you know, other than what seemed like about 30 years of Don Capers as the defensive coordinator, <laughs> typically these guys have a shelf life with the team and three or four years is probably about that shelf life. But Sunday, I'm afraid, was the final nail in the coffin. You just cannot have that stuff happening. And I think Lafleur now having been there for, for two years, I think will be more confident in making that move. And I'll be shocked if it, if it doesn't happen. And he can take Sean Menenga with him while he's at it. Right. Drag his ass right out the door with him. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, my, my problem is this with Petten, and I've beat up on him early, and I thought the Packers did improve, and I thought he did make an adjustment or two within the season. Mm-hmm. But that play, what I don't get it. What are you thinking right there? So, okay, on some situations you play press coverage because – that's what makes sense on that play. That made no sense. Like, yes, you adjusted, but you have to adjust within games and within plays. You have to be quick enough thinking on the field at that time and make that adjustment because that's not the call right there. Who cares if they get the first down, they're still kicking a field goal at best. If they can get up to the line and, and, and spike it, there are eight seconds left, eight there's no time to do anything else. You know, there's a lot of things that happened up until then, but that play call on Petten's part was absolutely stupid. It just was. Well, I uh, I disagree with both of you. I think Petten's going to be back next year. I think the improvements that he made on the defense are going to be something that I don't know who's going to be better out there. Here's what I think. The way that the defensive players that are in there, if we do have Zadarius Preston, uh, those guys, Kenny Clark, everybody that's saying they love that. Look at the, they love the defense. What can you change schematically to adjust some of the shortcomings? Who's going to replace them? I think they took a pretty big jump this year from where we expected them and what we saw last year. And I don't know. I'm not going to be surprised if he's let go, but I would expect him to be back. That's just me. I don't think he's going to make it uh, to the end of the week. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, whether whether players are, are happy in a system or not, it kind of has to be judged by outcomes. I think that, you know, we barely use man principles throughout the rest of the year. You know, how, how do you generate pressure? If you're playing back and you're allowing open zones and wide receivers to run free, it's uh, it's easier to do that quick Tom Brady dump. 
off to the open guy. If you man him up, it takes a little bit of time to get separation. Thus, your pass rush can get there. I would like to see someone who comes in and plays a lot more man, as I've said millions of times. I just would rather go down punching than backpedaling. He's not a Lafleur guy. Lafleur accepted him when Lafleur took the head coaching job. Uh, Lafleur may have somebody that he that he wants. I don't know. He could be back. He could be back too. I, I don't dis, uh, I don't uh, completely deny that, but I just have a feeling, especially with some of the comments that Lafleur made after the game about his decision uh, at the end of the half. Um, I think he's gone. One thing I'd like to interject on my opinion, the play that you're talking about with Kevin King could be the play that gets him fired. I thought if that play didn't happen, there might be a different storyline, but there's a lot of hot temperature in that. Matt LaFleur's press conferences, mm, you could feel it. You could feel it. What do you think, Peter? You're probably right. Winning tends to tends to cover over a lot of cracks, doesn't it? Even if that play had happened at the end of the first half, but they'd still gone on to win, and then they'd gone on to win the Super Bowl. That covers over a a heck of a lot of cracks. I just think that whether there's a better guy out there, I don't know whether Lafleur has somebody from his past that he's coached with before in mind. I don't know. I just think that I just don't see how he gets past what happened on Sunday. And he'll get another job. There'll be another team that that will pick him up. And he'll do a good job for two or three years for, for, for another team. I just think... I just, I just don't see him getting past that play on Sunday. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I have a bigger problem with the special teams side. Yeah. Um, and whilst that <laughs> typically gets overlooked because it's a few yards here and a few yards there, it's just about every single special teams play. Mm-hmm. You know, Other than Mason Crosby kicking field goals where he's Mr. Automatic, every other special teams play looks like they return the kickoff to the 35. So straight away, you've given them 10 more yards. It happens every single time. We can't return a punt for, I was going to swear then. We can't return a punt for, for anything, and yet we'll give up 5, 10, 15 yards on a punt return, which doesn't look huge at the time. But all of these things add up. It makes a huge difference to be starting on the 35 or the 40 rather than the 25. And it's almost every aspect of of special teams those guys have a shelf life as well time for for him to and he'll find another job somewhere else and that's and that's mm. cool but it's it's time for a change there don't you get worried though if petton goes then you're getting you're getting rid of mike smith you're getting rid of jerry gray like well, jerry gray I, has done yeah, a great job is he a potential i don't know that those guys have got i i've i've got a suspicion that petton goes that he's gonna that that the floor's gonna keep all of, all of that stuff. There may be one or two that we don't know about behind the scenes yeah. that Leclerc's not happy with, but I, I think generally speaking, and it's unusual, it is unusual, but I get the feeling that he's going to do everything to keep those guys. Mm-hmm. And it may be that one of those guys is actually Patton's replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Jerry Gray time. Sorry. Yeah, it's Jerry Gray time. I was thinking that too. I mean, if but, you lose Smith and Gray you got to keep petting. Do you know what I mean? If that's a package yeah. deal, my God. Yeah. I think Jerry Gray is the difference in that in Jair Alexander, 1,000%. One, yeah. uh, 1, I, I really and, think that's the And let's not forget about uh, uh, Savage and, and Amos uh, and the rest. Some of the young guys that are coming up, I agree with you 100%, man. The guy's got to stay one way or the other. So let's talk about the play. I am going to be the contrarian in this group, I'm guessing, about the fourth and eight play, and that's cool. I'll just go first. I know that LaFleur took a ton of heat on not going for on fourth and eight and fourth and goal, essentially. And yeah, could Aaron Rodgers have run it for a couple more yards? Yep. I absolutely thought he could. I mean, when you see the, when they show the screenshot of that, it's like, wow, that's a lot of green grass out there, Aaron, you know, but I know he's the quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson. So he's going to want to throw it rather than run it. That said, I think there was a sack or a, or a hit. It was a sack by Sha- uh, Shaq Barrett early in that game yeah. where he beat Wagner that was in the back of Rogers' mind on that play, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to get stripped or anything where Barrett is coming from the backside. I felt like that was why Rogers didn't run on third down. Now, I don't like the pass. Like, the pass makes no sense, but it goes back to what you said before, Eric. If there's nobody out there to the right when he's running right, that's a tough throw for any quarterback. Mm-hmm. But anyway, to go on with the fourth and eight play, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I didn't have a huge problem with us kicking there. Yes, I know that we need to then score a touchdown mm-hmm. still. 
I get that. And they would be deep in territory. I probably shouldn't be taking all these talking points, but <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought momentum is a real big thing in that spot. Mm-hmm. If you go for it and you don't get it, yes, yeah. it's a long field, but Brady in the Bucks know they have you at that point. Momentum is on your side. Guys come off the field screaming. They basically know they've won the game at that point. And to quell that, when your defense has played pretty well most of the game, I thought it was a reasonable decision. I would have done it. Yeah. Well, on that fourth and eight, though, uh, go back to the running play. Uh, The screenshot shows you all that green grass. Okay, what the video will show you is that uh, JPP – was in stride on him. Devontae is on, on the goal line, and he has two defensive backs on him. One of those guys is going to peel off and crush him before he gets – so there's not going to be a touchdown there. I don't. I, you can screenshot the hell out of it and meme it all you want. I, I just don't think fast action in, in live motion he was going to make that touchdown. To kick the field goal, you still had four timeouts left. And the way the defense was playing, I couldn't argue with that on Matt LaFleur's side. I, I got it because we got into that position to take that field goal Stop him with the four. You had the two two minute and the three timeouts, so you essentially got four timeouts. Made sense to me, but missing that two point conversion, going back to Peter earlier in the show, affected that whole sequence. If you look at how badly uh, Jockstrap was left on the field uh, against Los Angeles the week before, uh, if Rogers worst case scenario, like I said, even if he only gets to the two yard line, then you're looking at fourth and two. And that's an entirely different play call than fourth and eight. Yep. Um, and I, I think Rodgers has a decent chance, given his 405-pound squatting, I think he's got a <laughs> decent chance at running that ball into the end zone, making one guy miss. Uh, with the Super Bowl on the line, I'd put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands and let him let him go for it. And again, worst-case scenario, you're down there. If you go for it, so just arbitrarily, he makes the three-yard line, let's say. Now you're looking at fourth and goal from the three. If you go for it and don't get it, Tom Brady's standing in the end zone taking that snap. I don't mind that. How I, many I, points are you down now? Well, you're still down the same eight. Mm-hmm. You're and still down so, the same so eight. Then you, so that now you're putting it into a position where you have to have a touchdown and a two-point to win the game versus Correct. just having the touchdown. Correct. And use your extra point. I, the decision to, to kick the field goal didn't get me flipped out whatsoever. It's just, you know, you just thought how many times, how many championship games before – have we needed the ball back and not got it back? That's mm-hmm. that. That's what was what kept going through my mind. But I, I don't think it was a terrible coaching decision to go that you just run three plays, zero yards. I get it. I just wish that you know. There's so many of these little things. Hey, listen, obviously, Aaron was. I mean, those three and outs that Aaron had there. It's not like he was passing with a, a great efficiency. I don't know. Fair. That's fair. It just seemed you, like he put a lot on his shoulders. Sorry. What do you think, Peter? You really want me to comment? Yeah. <laughs> I have you on for the intelligent comments. I, I, I just run my well, mouth. I'm not sure. I've just found myself in, in, in a minority. So I thought it was a shocker, if I'm really honest with you. And the reason for that, and, and Eric just touched on it right, right at the end there, is if you don't take the opportunity to score the touchdown at that point, you may never see the ball again. Now, I remember a game just a couple of years ago in Seattle the Packers lost by two points when Mike McCarthy was destroyed by the media for punting the ball away when there were four minutes left in the game and two points behind and the Packers never got the ball back. For me, it was a no brainer because in not doing it, you take away one of your own opportunities to score. And if you kick the field goal as they did, you've still got to stop Tampa Bay and get the ball back. If you go for the touchdown and you don't score, you've still got to stop Tampa Bay and get and get the ball back. So I don't think the scenario changes very much um, by not going for the touchdown. The bigger issue for me is you're trusting that defense to stop Tampa Bay getting one first down over your MVP quarterbacks scoring a touchdown. And I, I have a problem with that. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's. I think it's. I, think I take it's back okay. everything I said. I t- <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's all about you know. We, we all see it differently. Cool. I, I think that. Um, I think it's one thing if you've got two or three opportunities to stop them. So, so, so if they have to get two first downs or three first downs to run out the clock, I think that's different. But I would have bet my mortgage on 
then being able to find a way to get one first down and, and, and run the clock out. It fell in the Packers' favour because the guy returning the kickoff slid and didn't stay upright and get them to the two-minute warning. So they got a bonus timeout, which, mm-hmm. you know, Lafleur talked about after the game where we had four timeouts with the two. You didn't. You that that two-minute warning timeout was a complete bonus they never should have had. I just think that <laughs> it's all about opinions. We all see it differently. At the time, I tweeted that I was I was shocked. I thought it was one of the worst coaching decisions that I've seen in the years that I've been following football. But that's just my that's just my my view. Yes, you know, we're we're emotional at that point. We want our teams to win. I just wouldn't have took the ball. I wouldn't have taken that opportunity away. To take that opportunity when you when you've got it. But we all see that different. I know that the analytics actually show that there's very little mm-hmm. one way one way or the other. I think ESPN came out with some numbers which I think show one percent difference chance difference in the winning percentages, whichever they did. So there's a lot that says actually it doesn't matter, but to me it just felt it felt terrible. And I, I felt it at the time, and I and I still feel it now. But hey, Peter, what was uh, Matt Lafleur's mantra this entire season? Oh. All gas, no brakes. That's brakes. One of you guys touched on it as well. If this is really the case, and I know stuff gets said immediately after games that we're not quite sure is necessarily the case, but if Rogers really did think that he'd got four downs, that begs all sorts of other questions as well about the communication and stuff. And I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever understand it. But heck, it's because of when it happened in the game that it makes it feel probably more important than it was because you can say it should never have got to that. You know, mm-hmm. if Redmond had caught the, the the interception, if Adams hadn't dropped the ball in the end zone, <laughs> the other stuff hadn't happened. Saw lifts and ifs and buts. And will you just go back a couple of minutes and just uh, just clip my opinion out? I'd, I'd rather be out of that segment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You just completely changed my mind, Peter. Well, You're absolutely but- right. You you just put the way that you put it. We put the decision. Now I'm fired up. We just put the decision of the game in the hands of our defense to not let them get a first down versus putting son of a gun. What's interesting to me since the game, I, I, I was kind of convinced afterwards that, yeah, obviously I have a very strong opinion about that. And mm-hmm. I was, I'd be convinced afterwards that, that pretty much everybody would have that same opinion. And yet when you go into Twitter and stuff, and I know you, you have to take some stuff with a pinch of salt, but it's very split on it. It's mm-hmm. more split than I thought it would be. So it does go Eric against the mantra. It does. I, I, I guess the thing at the end of the day, and this is what we what we always forget, or we tend to forget, is he has to make that play call within well, immediately the other the last place stopped. Now I'm sure it was going through his head before that, but in the heat of the moment, whichever one he chooses, he's got to make that decision very, 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 very quickly. I guess it comes down to he won't have been in that situation very often, if ever. As a head coach, like all decisions that they make in terms of play calling, you hope that they go back and review that. They go back and look at the play calls after the the two interceptions, and the next time they do something slightly different. That's yeah. all. You, that's all you can ask. You know, it's it's we all li- we all live and learn, don't we? Had they kicked the field goal, got the ball back, and scored again, everybody everybody would have been saying, "What a great thing he did!" You know, he went against what most people would have done, and yet he came out and won. You know, it's one of those things. All I'll say is, at the time I tweeted, I was unhappy, and I'm still unhappy about it. And if I had a swear box, I'd be throwing money at it. <laughs> I'd drop a bunch in, but then I can't keep track of how many cusses I had a day. Yeah, say, Dale, uh, just for uh, for history's sake, this seems like the appropriate time to throw this in here. I was going to save it for the end. However, based on Peter's recent admission, I think now it's appropriate. Uh, but let the world know that at 9.26 central time this morning peter almost cursed (laughs) i wrote that down earlier in the podcast and it was an almost cursed and so we have it uh we have it now and the uh the world will know forever and he said heck so i'm gonna drop one in the jar (laughs) because i know what he meant but what he said was something different yeah I will have to say though it's a good job i don't i don't have to swear jar when the game's going on Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. 
It'd be a credit card. Like I said to Eric, it'd be a credit card. I'd just swipe it before the game. It's like, it'd be like the bar tab, right? You want to yeah. run a tab? Yep. Yeah. Swipe it through and then just cry afterwards, just like I do when I'm at the bar. Does anyone want to talk about the Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. Well, the, the only thing I've got to say, and I see, I learn something new every year, was I didn't realize that they actually played the Super Bowl if the Packers weren't in it. Oh. <laughs> You just thought it was a Madden game? They would just play it on Madden and see who won? So, so, so I thought all those all those seasons in the 70s and 80s when the Packers weren't in the playoffs, that there weren't any playoffs. Mm. I thought the season just stopped. That's, yeah, that's how we go. I, I learned something new every day. Yeah, the only comment that I have on the Super Bowl is that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs can accomplish the only thing that's left for me to accomplish this season and that is to drop tom brady's winning percentage in the super bowl to 60 percent, and that's that's the only thing that i can look forward to i expect a a good game i think that uh, i think it's not going to be the blowout that it certainly looks like on on paper tom brady's tom brady gotta hate the guy but you just begrudgingly have to have more and more respect for this 43 year old dude i yeah Drives me nuts, but those are my thoughts. I think Tom Brady is um, one of the best uh, team leaders and quarterbacks and winners that's ever played in the game, man. We're, uh, as much as you hate him, he is he is as good as it gets, you know? He overcomes every error that he has for some reason, you know? You could throw three interceptions in an NFC Championship game and win. You know, he's, he's had great teams around him, but he also just makes throws to uh, – Little Scotty at four four speed and blows past Kevin King when you don't think it's going to happen. You know, what I mean, he's just uh, he's a smart player. But I think when we talk about best of all time, I, I, it's such a deep conversation, and we'll have to do that one day because um, stats don't lie. And I'm a stats guy, and for some reason, people like to to lump quarterback into a team stat of wins and Super Bowls, and it's just a little bonkers. You know, what I mean. Uh, but good for Tom Brady. Congratulations, all you Brady fans out there. I went to school in New Hampshire. I know they're all happy. They're big listeners to the podcast, too. So uh. nice. <laughs> They won't listen to this one. Not at all. Because I'm about to say that I can't stand fucking Tom Brady. <laughs> 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 but that said, I will not watch one second in this Super Bowl. Not one. It's too painful. It, it will be too yeah. painful two weeks from now or whenever it is. I don't care because I'm not going to watch it. I'll have to go on YouTube and watch the commercials afterwards. This has been fun. So let, let's just wrap it up. This is going to be the longest one ever, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> we can do this anytime. <laughs> yeah, we can. Closing thoughts, Peter, on the season, on the game, whatever. It's been a wonderful season. It's been a better season than, than in t- certainly in terms of wins and losses that I, than I expected. I Before the season started... I thought the over-under on wins and losses was about 10.5. I thought as a team they would be probably as good as last year, uh, but the record would be worse. I think I've been proven wrong on both on both counts. They're a better team across the board than they were last year. Very disappointing end, not because they lost, but because it's an opportunity. I, I don't think any of us expected to win in San Francisco last year. We felt that we weren't the better team. Oh, Eric expected to win in San Francisco last year. Okay, three of the four of us didn't expect to win. Um, but, but this year, I think we all felt that they had a better than even chance of winning this game. And it was, it was a huge, it was huge opportunity, so it's disappointing. There's a lot to look forward to. We're going to lose some guys, unfortunately. That happens every year. And we're going to lose some key guys. You can't overlook the contribution of Aaron Jones, for example. And it just doesn't seem conceivable anyway that he'll be back. You can't overlook the contribution of Corey Lindsley. There's a lot to look forward to. And I think, again, they're in a great position when they head into the draft because I think they can almost draft at any position that will make the team stronger. So I think that always helps in the drafts. It puts you in a position not to, not to have to reach for a guy. So, yeah, I think we can be very positive about a, about a disappointing end. I would certainly echo virtually everything that Peter just said. You know, people, there's, there's 
28 other teams that weren't playing this weekend. Um, we're in the championship game. Yeah, it hurts. It kills. Second year in a row, it kills. This year, at least, uh, was a competitive. It was a game you can actually say we could have or should have won, unlike last year's game. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to look forward to. This team is trending in the right direction. I'm dying to see what Mr. Gudekunst uh, is able to work and uh, work as far as magic goes in this extremely odd cap year. Um, given the COVID situation uh, and the salary cap, uh, the likely salary cap decline. But this is, to me, obviously, the fun part of the year kind of starts. Now, it's not the rip your heart out kind of stuff that the, that the actual season does. But now it's getting a look at what's going to happen, what might happen, looking at uh, at players. And I find that to be kind of fun and uh, looking forward to get going on that. Um, I, too, probably will not be able to watch the Super Bowl. They're apparently showing some 1977 reruns of the mixed doubles finals from Wimbledon, of all places, Peter. <laughs> and <laughs> seems like <laughs> seems like that's where I'm heading. Who, who, was, who was in that? Uh, John McEnroe was playing with Martina Navratilova versus Bjorn Borg and Svetlana Kuznaya. <laughs> Okay. You seem to be very well informed. What? Oh boy. <laughs> that is fantastic. Oh, that's great. I think this year was uh I, I just go back to the conversation that Eric and I had in, you know, August. We were talking about is this season even gonna happen with COVID? And we were talking about how you know, how is it even gonna shape up? I'm so happy that we had a season and our Green Bay Packers stayed healthy for the most part. We didn't have huge game shifts and everything else. But through that kind of closeness, I feel like this was one of my favorite seasons I've ever watched. Maybe because it was a quarantine. Maybe because we had so much time to dedicate it. Maybe because we were podcasting, hanging out with you kind of fellas, talking Packers every week. It was fun every week, and we saw growth every week. And the excitement that I have for next year is what I'm going to carry with this, you know, get over this disappointment right now because I think Matt LaFleur is a 40-year-old dude who has – I'm 46. This is crazy when you think about these you – know, what, what were you doing when you were 40? <laughs> ah! This guy has learned the biggest lesson on the biggest stage, one of the biggest games, and uh, it's only going to make him better. And if you're a – Fucking Packer fan, throw the nickel in. You better be on board all year and better stop hating on Twitter because it's absolutely ridiculous. This organization is better than any other organization out there. It's proven top to bottom. Relax, people. Go, Paco. Nice. Hey, Dale, you know what? I just want to piggyback on what Eric said there, too, which is really, really insightful and to the point and that is the chances that we actually were able to pull off 32 teams with 150 personnel given a, a, a pandemic that's wasted the whole planet the idea that we're even getting to a super bowl is simply amazing and that really is that's the biggest point of this year is that we're even having this conversation oh, yeah, I, I think i think that's so true and i want to add one thing you guys the three of you have made this season for me i'm an emotional guy anyway right and i could almost cry now because you guys have, have really made this season for me and yeah we want to see the packers win and stuff and stuff but for me it's about the relationships being able to talk packers whether it's good bad ugly whether we're discussing fourth and eights whether we're discussing will, will redmond's gloves whether it's whatever it is i have to i have to honestly say that this is just this is my favorite Packers season ever. It's my forty third or forty fourth Packers season, and you guys it just made my season. It's just mm. yeah, I don't know what to say really. It's just I just thank you, the three of you for having me on, talking rubbish most of the time, but <laughs> just talking about what we all, what we all love. It's special. It's really, really, really special. And I, I, I appreciate it so much. And now I'm going to stop. I'll let somebody else talk. But, but thank you. Well, thank you, Peter. It's uh, that's that's right back at you, my friend. You've made this the most interesting Packer season of my life. Greatly appreciate all your contributions. And then, if, just to give you a little buck up, Kipper, uh, looking towards next season, I can tell you this right now, my friend. No way. 
KB and Ento drops what Redmond did. <laughs> Ento returns that. Just saying. Uh, I guess I'll wrap it up here. <laughs> Even though I just froze up on the screen, good thing this is an audio podcast. My 10-year-old iMac doesn't work for shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I'll just echo what you guys have all said. I have never enjoyed a Packer season like I enjoyed this one. And I said it on our podcast a couple weeks ago. I thought the Packers were going to win a Super Bowl. And I was asking, can like, can we play more games after this? <laughs> because I don't want it to end. I never wanted this season to end. And part of it is to be able to talk to guys like you. I really appreciate it. I truly do. The other thing that I thought about, so I was listening to Pandora this morning and I was listening to Shinedown because I needed like some pump me up music <laughs> and at two fucking Pandora. Why are you playing all this depressing music? I'm like starting to tear up. I'm like, that's not the point. That's not why I listen to you, Pandora, to make me sad. Yeah. The other, the last thing though is, and this is probably just for me as a person, like I realize this, I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. Mm -hmm. And I need to stop that as a person. Mm -hmm. I need to realize that this ride that we're on, this life ride mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of gut punches, mm -hmm. a lot of them. And the Packers losing shouldn't be as important to me as it actually is. Like, I shouldn't drink so much. I'm still on an emotional and physical hangover <laughs> from Sunday. So <laughs> I hope to yeah. get over it soon. Yeah. But enjoy the ride. Yeah. Enjoy the positives of things. Enjoy wins. Enjoy the people around you that, that make life great. Yeah, and, and again, 100%. I appreciate all of you. It has been awesome. Yeah. Every time we get on and talk, to, it's been awesome. Yeah. So before we go, Eric and Eric, if you want to plug the Acme Army, which is an awesome podcast, even when I'm not on it, I do listen. I listened to your Jamie Cheese butt episode the other day. It was, was awesome. Fun. She was fun. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, three days a week, Acme underscore Army on Twitter. Uh, you can find us everywhere. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, I think. All those fun places <laughs> you can find. I found us all over the place. But uh, yeah, and we're on YouTube as well, and we cut out the clips with uh, Peter and those historical pieces. I, I think it's uh, a nice little one-of-a-kind piece for, for a podcast out there to do a little something different and give us uh, a little deeper dive into what Packer history is because as Packer fans, you know, sometimes we're only into our 20 year view of how long we've been, you know, follow them or, and, and there's such a rich history. So uh, Acme Army, check us out. Appreciate you, Dale. And appreciate you, Peter. Yeah, thank you, Dale and Peter. Certainly appreciate uh, this. has been a lot of fun. This was a, this was a lot of fun this morning. Yeah. It was. It's almost afternoon now. We've been talking so long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. So thanks again for listening to the episode 31 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I truly appreciate Eric, Eric, and Peter for being on today. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>